again to another edition of the Goat Zoom Room, another special podcast that we have for Derby Week coming up next week. This is our Derby preview show. Joined as always by my lovely co-host Andy. I'm Caitlin Freem. We are joined again by Andrew Champagne, and we have yet another guest, our friend and handicapper. His name is Thunder Dan. So, guys, we have plenty of horses to discuss here for the Kentucky Derby. We'll try to move it along, maybe a little bit quicker since we do have 22 horses to talk about than we did the Oaks. So we'll kind of keep it short and sweet between all of the horses. But I I say this a lot of times, you know, I've said it in about the 12, 13 years that I've been in horse racing. Every time I see a couple of derbies, I'm like, man, this is a really wide open Kentucky Derby. I feel like there's two pretty heavy contenders in this race, but I also do kind of see this race as you know, pretty wide open. I don't know if this is a down year for the Colts or if it's just a really good year for the Colts and they're just really evenly matched. I can't decide. This field is a little bit of a puzzle to me. So early thoughts before we talk about the horses um, of the field that's shaping up to run in the 2022 Kentucky Derby. Thunder Dan, you want to go first? Sure. I can give it a swing. Um, yeah, Caitlin, I, I agree. It, it, you get past the first few names and you start to look at the rest and you go, wow, there's a lot that I feel like can run in that second, third, fourth spot. Um, when, I, when I try to break it down a little further, I feel like I can split it about in half where I, I, I think there's, you know, maybe seven to eight pushing maybe nine or 10 that could win if everything went perfectly for them. And then there's half that have basically no shot and a lot of that and we can get into it as we go through each one, but I think a lot of those that uh, have an early running style, if we have an intact field, they're going to struggle. There's a, a few that should be moving pretty quick out of the gate. Um, we say it probably a lot of years, but I just, I can't see it happening this year where uh, it holds together. So um, I'll get more into that as we talk to each runner, but yeah, that's kind of how I see it. It's pretty, it's pretty wide open, but I'd say maybe seven or eight have a shot. That seems about right to me. Uh, It's a good crop. I can't go so far as to say it's a great crop, but it's a good crop with some really nice horses up at the top that haven't done a whole heck of a lot wrong. I mean, my goodness, speaking of not having done a whole heck of a lot wrong, you've got a horse in Taiba that's only run twice, and one of them was a grade one win. Uh, You've got horses like Epicenter that have several really nice races under their belts. We've got Zandon, who turned in his final pre-Kentucky Derby work today, and looked really good doing it. I am not an expert in looking at horses works, but that horse was towing his rider all the way around the track and all the way under the wire. I thought that was an excellent work. And you've got a couple of horses that are sort of flying in under the radar. Messier is the other Tim Yock team right now. And his only crime is that he ran second in the Santa Anita Derby as opposed to winning it. White Abario is four for five. You've got a horse in Smile Happy that was on top of a lot of people's lists coming into the year. Uh, You've got a bunch of different horses like that. It's going to be a really fun handicapping puzzle to try and solve. That's the case with the Derby most years, I feel, but this year's fun. I wouldn't say it's a great crop, but it is a good solid crop, and I'm looking forward to seeing which one of them can go the mile and a quarter a little bit faster than everybody else. I will say this. I think think one of the things that uh, I'm a lot older than you guys, I think. I think I'm even older than Thunder Dam. which doesn't shock me, but um, I think one of the, the things with this 
crop. Everybody says it every year. It's like, oh, this is a bad crop or this isn't a good crop. Um, the three-year-olds, some of them get better. I think if you go back to the Gunrunner Derby um, group, people were saying, well, we don't think there's a lot in here. But yet, there were a lot of good horses that year. Um, ended up being a lot of good horses. So I'll wait and see. But I think they're... I, after having a conversation with uh, Too Close to Call, who's a buddy of mine, um, I think we just saw it as there's like about four or five horses that you could put up on top and you wouldn't be wrong. And there's about 10 or 12 horses you could put third, fourth, and you would be okay. And then it's a crapshoot for fifth if you're playing the high five, to be honest. Which we I, I can, you know, definitely agree with everything you guys are saying and really echo that. And uh, it's just such a puzzle to me, as I've already said. And I've looked at this field so much, you know, especially since I'm going to be working the Derby and all of that good stuff. And I keep looking at it and I'm trying not to change my mind too many times and kind of stick to my gut instincts that I've already had, because I know we talk about the Derby as can they get the distance? Can they get the distance? Can they get the distance? Well, all of these horses can get the distance. There's just some that are going to get it much faster than the others. So obviously we need to know who those horses are. So let's go ahead and kind of talk about some of these horses and get that started. Obviously I've randomized the entire field as I did with the Kentucky Oaks. So we don't spend any, you know, special amount of time going from the top to the bottom or the bottom to the top and vice versa. Um, but I did start out yesterday the same way that I'm going to start out um, today. I did want to do the A East first, Pioneer and Medina, and in due time. Um, I think an also eligible is going to get in on this list. I think there will be at least one more defection, perhaps two. I think if Pioneer of Medina does get in, he's already been in once and then he got thrown back out. Um, I think he will run. If in due time should draw in, if there is a second stretch to draw him in, I think the connections are very, very wishy-washy on that based on what I've heard. So I would be surprised if in due time either drew in or they decided to run if he did draw in. So AEs, AE1, Pioneer of Medina, and AE2 in due time, where do we see them in this field of horses should they draw into the top 20? I'll go first, I think. Uh, and I think I speak for all of us when I say – if in due time does get in, please put another rider on him. I don't want Paco Lopez in a 20 horse field. That's just that nothing good happens there. Mm -hmm. I understand Paco Lopez is an excellent rider. I understand that he's a very aggressive rider and he's won a lot of races. Given his track record, no. I don't want him in a race where you need to value the safety of your fellow rider. I just no. Please know Kelly Breen, if you're out there and if you're somehow listening to this podcast, please find another rider to ride in due time. If this horse draws in and you decide to run, um, I liked in due time in the uh, fountain of youth. He ran second that day. I liked him again in the Lexington. He ran third that day. I think I'm finally off of him. Uh, I liked him because of the allowance win that he had earlier in the year. I thought that was a very live race and it just hasn't aged quite as well as I thought. Pioneer of Medina is interesting, and we know that the distance will not bother him because he threw his rider prior to the Louisiana Derby and ran a little bit longer than just about everybody else, still managing to run third. 
if he keeps the rider on him prior to the start of that race, he probably finishes second ahead of Zozos and he's in the Derby already. Now, is that enough to recommend on top or in the mix or anything? I don't think so. But if he runs, you're getting a Todd Pletcher trained horse that didn't finish too far behind Epicenter in the Louisiana Derby. So if you want to throw him in fourth or fifth in some of those supers or high fives, I've heard worse ideas. Andrew, uh, I agree completely with Pioneer of Medina's. An absolute use underneath, um, like you mentioned, trouble in the last. I mean, not not maybe during the race, but plenty of trouble throughout the day to to cause uh, some issues. And um, like you mentioned, Pedigree's there is going to run all day long. Um, and I, I mean, when Pioneer Medina is not running up against Epicenter, win win, and then lose to Epicenter, lose to Epicenter, right? So there's no reason if if you think Epicenter is going to win the Derby. Um, that Pioneer Medina can't slide underneath. I don't have uh, a whole lot to add about in due time, but um, certainly would be using Pioneer Medina to some degree. So I'll just I'll just say something quickly. I don't I don't think in due time is gonna. I don't think they should run him. To be honest with you, I don't think he he's this type of horse right now. Um, with that said, he'll probably win if he draws it. Uh, but uh, Pioneer Pioneer Medina at least is improving each start. I mean, you could, that's something to look at, but he's also, I think if he could draws in, is going to be a wise guy horse um, because of Pletcher. So um, definitely not going to be as much value as you would think at a spot like that. <laughs> Since it's funny you say that because this is my wise guy horse. Um, should he draw in, which I ultimately think that he will, I know I probably won't get the value on him that I'm really going to deserve, but everything that you guys have said, I 100% agree with Tyler Gaffleone. If this is going to be his mount is a very, very good rider in this race. He's a very defensive rider and a, a young rider that I just absolutely really respect a ton. And, you know, Epicenter is really the horse that's really been beating up on him. There's really been nobody else. And historically, Every year since the 2000s, aside from, I believe, three years, there's been a horse that's almost, I think it was, I believe, 22 to 1 or higher finish in the Super. And my thing for me is playing my A's and B's and then looking for those types of horses. And this horse is the one that's really sticking out to me as perhaps that type of horse. And this is the one I really zeroed in on as the one that has a really good chance as an outsider price to hit the board. As far as in due time, as I've already said, um, I think it's 50 50, whether he will draw in and if he does draw in, I don't think they will go. So I'm not really going to waste too much time talking about him because I don't think he's going to run in this race anyway. So I'm going to move on to our first horse that is officially in the gate insecure. And that is summer is tomorrow for Bukat Samar, um, son of summer front out of a badge of silver mare, second in the UAE Derby um, connections and some of the people that I know very well from over in Dubai. So this horse is definitely going to gun it to the front. That is the only chance this horse has to win this race. Um, he's going to try to go. He's going to try to set the pace and see how fast he can go. He is a spectacular spectacular gate horse he's very fast he was faster than pinehurst was in the uae derby i knew i know pinehurst was having a bit of an off day there but based on what you guys know about summer is tomorrow if it's very little um do you think this horse is fast enough to clear the u.s horses and do you think he could be at the controlling speed 
going into the first turn? I'm going to say, um, ultimately, yeah, I think Summers tomorrow would be leading at the turn, but classic Causeway is incredibly quick out of the gate. I mean, I, <laughs> I can't think of really any other horse route horse in the past few years that gets moving as quickly as that horse does. Um, but I think like you mentioned, Summers tomorrow has no other hope than hammering the front early. Uh, I mean, to be honest, I don't think the horse has any hope at all. Probably favorite to finish last. Um, and because of the pace, I mean, if, if we get early voting to, to stay in the race, which probably isn't going to happen by the sounds of it, but if it, if that's the case, those three going early, I mean, how does this thing not blow up? Yeah. If you're betting Zandon or Mo Donegal, you want a situation where a horse like summer is tomorrow gets post 19 or 20 and has to gun it to have any sort of reasonable shot to finish in the top half of the field. I don't think that happens. I understand why the connections are coming over running second in the UAE Derby is a nice chunk of change. I don't like the horse that won the UAE Derby. So I certainly don't like summer is tomorrow. The less said about this one, the better. I agree with Dan, probably the favorite to finish last. Um, yeah, I, he's going to show a lot of early speed. He, he didn't show that he could hold his, hold his speed at, in Dubai when the track was playing a little bit more favorable to the front runners. Um, so I just don't see it happening here. I do think that, as I said, they're going to try to go to the front. And um, I think he is going to have a little bit of company up there. Classic Causeway. Um, early voting perhaps like i'm not really sure who else maybe even messier could be somewhere up there but i don't think he's as fast as this horse um this one kind of reminds me of maybe like a Trinnyberg type of horse or something common at the top something like that could go on to be a very good sprinter in dubai maybe somebody like switzerland or something like that but uh just not for me here in this race but moving on to another horse that we've already mentioned that horse is classic causeway son of giants causeway one of only a few left in that crop out of a thunder gulch mare so um i don't think distance is going to be an issue for this horse it shouldn't be starter for brian lynch this may be his first uh kentucky derby star i haven't looked um bounced considerably last time out 11th in the florida derby first in the tampa bay derby first in the same f davis and was second in the kentucky jockey club and second the breeder futurity so this horse has a pretty good resume other than what he did last time out um was out of the field they said we're not running now he's back into the field and now connections want to run again um are you willing to forgive what he did in the florida derby and the change of heart for the connections um how do we feel about him coming back into the field Andrew. Yeah, I wasn't sure if anybody had stronger opinions about Classic Causeway, but uh, I'll, I'll give it a whirl. I would have been very eager to forgive the Florida Derby had the connections taken a look after the race and said, we don't know what was wrong. He came back fine. We've got the points to go to the Derby. We're going. The flip-flop is concerning because it seems like he's going to the Derby, not because he's doing well or because Brian Lynch has confidence in him, but because his owners are a combined 160 years old, according to a recent article that I had read. I mean, I loved him at Tampa Bay Downs when he won the Sam F. Davis. He looked like a very nice horse. 
He won the Tampa Bay Derby, but it wasn't quite as impressive as I would have liked. He had the lead all to himself that day. Nobody pressured him, and he basically just led them all all the way around the racetrack. He got the lead in the Florida Derby, and to the credit of whoever was riding him that day, I forget who it was. Once they realized, yep, once they realized that it just wasn't there that day, he sort of wrapped up on him and dropped anchor and saved him for another day. Um, if he had just skipped the Florida Derby and run in the Kentucky Derby, I'm not saying he would have been favored, but he'd probably be among the top five, six, seven betting choices. He would have taken a significant amount of money. If you like him, you're going to get a gigantic price on a horse that's going to be prominent early in a race where you want tactical speed. The problem is he's running in the race because the owners want him in the race, not necessarily because he's good enough to be there. The flip-flop really concerns me, and that makes this horse a really tricky read for me. Yeah, you mentioned the Florida Derby and trying to forgive that race, and I'm with you. I, I, <laughs> I Actually, watching the Florida Derby, I was pretty surprised at just how, how much quit there was. Um, I thought, well, maybe there's – you know, something wrong or who knows. Right. So I, at, at the moment I was thinking, you know, I could forgive that effort if, you know, other things come back and look good and they continue on to the Derby and, but yeah, the wishy-washy back and forth, that's not a great sign in my opinion. And then after uh, kind of starting to dig into the race a bit, looking back at the, the figures and things for the, the Tampa races, I'm going to be honest, I was pretty surprised how poor they were. So um, I went from actually liking the horse quite a bit um, at Tampa to, thinking the horse has little to no shot, probably finishes in the back back quarter of the, the field if I had to take a stab. I'm going to uh, agree with Dan here big time. I just have never – I never liked the horse to begin with. I mean, I thought he was a nice horse. I just didn't think he was class, He was uh, triple crown uh, worthy as far as that's concerned. Um, he's – pretty average he kind of kind of runs the same race over and over again and this race he's just going to get too much too many other horses that are going to go after him so um i'm willing to throw him out and hope he doesn't beat me on here i mean i threw him out in every single prep race he's running so let's hope i'm right right again Tending to lean in the same direction as um, you guys. I've always liked the horse. I think he's a very talented horse. Um, he's probably one that I could see maybe like winning an Iowa Derby, an Ohio Derby, something like that somewhere later on in the year. Probably like a grade three, grade two type. Um, could grow up to be a nice horse. Uh, Giants Causeways typically get a little bit better with age, but um, not going to be for me in the Kentucky Derby. As we said, kind of the back and forth definitely had something to do with the owner in my opinion. So I'm not quite sure the horse belongs, but I do think he is a nice horse all the way around. Really the only blemish on his record is the Florida Derby. Um, he has three wins, second to third. So it's the only off the board effort. He's just gotten better with age. So I'm anxious to see what he can do after maybe a little bit of a break. Um, moving on to another horse that did come out of the Florida Derby. That is charge it uh, by tap it out of an Indian Charlie mare. Very nice family in the family of take charge lady will take charge. Um, Take Charge Indy, all of those horses. Um, for Todd Pletcher was second in the Florida Derby. He was for sure green in the Florida Derby, but I thought there was a chance he was maybe the best horse in the race. Um, 
do you believe that even with the physical talent this, that this horse possesses, does he lack the mental maturity to win a race like the Kentucky Derby after only making a handful of starts? I feel like you can ask that question about a bunch of horses in this particular race because yep. whether we like it or not, horses are running less and less. And it's a case where horses like this are going to wind up being the norm rather than the exception at some point within the next 10 years or so. It's going to happen. We may as well get used to it. Now, as far as the Florida Derby goes, I wasn't impressed by and large with that race. They walked home in that last eighth of a mile. White Abario got the mile in 136 and change. He came home in 150 and change. He was not moving all that quick. Now, Chargett did have some excuses. He had some traffic in that particular race. It was his first start around two turns, and it came against a pretty darn good field. He ran a decent second in that race, but what I think might be most telling about his talent is when Todd Pletcher had his choice, of where to send Mo Donegal after the Fountain of Youth, where he scratched due to a slight temperature and also the outside post not doing him any favors, he opted without hesitation to send Mo Donegal to the Wood Memorial because he had a maiden winner aiming for the Florida Derby. What does that tell you about what Todd Pletcher thought of Charge It ahead of that race? Uh, he has always been very high on this horse. The pedigree is certainly there for him to improve with added distance. Certainly a horse that I need to use in my exotics, if not on top. And I think if you want any horse out of the Florida Derby, it's this one. My concern is just they didn't come home all that quick. And maybe if Chargent had a little more experience, he'd have caught White Abario in that particular race. I do think he's sitting on a move forward. Is it going to be enough of a move forward? I'm not sure. And maybe he winds up being the wise guy horse based on that inexperience and the potential to move forward for a trainer who does move horses forward very, very quickly this time of year. Yeah, I, I, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say this is going to be pretty easy if we just agree on all the horses. I know, right? This is great. <laughs> Somebody gave him the cheat sheet. Just agree with champagne all the time and you're golden. <laughs> well, that's what's happening here because I, I, you, you said exactly what I was going to say. Charger's the only horse out of the Florida Derby that I have any interest in using. I, I don't think that we really are looking at a win candidate, to be honest, but, um, you know, just so green down the lane. Um, you know, I really don't like white Abario, to be honest at all. I don't like simplification. I don't like any of those horses that came out of the race. Um, but the talents there will charge it. If, if there's some improvement and some maturity prior to the Derby, I could definitely see it charge it kind of being there at the end. Um, I put together a little, kind of grid every year the past few years and have basically six different criteria that I use. Um, some of the top horses hit all six. They qualify in kind of all the different categories with speed figures and things like that. And charge, it's only got one. So it's one of a couple horses that just aren't there on the figures, aren't there really um, on the prior races to support wanting to use them. Um, but, you know, charge it along with Barber Road, and I'll get to that later. I think are a couple that that have a, a reason to improve. So I'll leave it at that. I'm I'm gonna say that if any if if this this horse was trained by Brown or Asmussen and he showed that greenness, Asmussen probably would have put him on the sidelines because I don't think I don't think Steve would have ran him. Um, 
to be honest with you. I think Chad would have also kind of shut him down until the middle of the year. Um, with that said, I think Pletcher is the right person for this horse. And I think it's one of those things to where I think Pletcher, knowing how Pletcher trains in the mornings is a positive. So I'm going to give the horse the benefit of the doubt. Um, I know that last race, the Florida Derby was really slow at the end, but, uh, you know, he's shown enough that I think he's going to be pretty, um, pretty well off. I just don't know whether or not I'm going to get the price I want. And that kind of bothers me as well. So, but I think, I think if I get the price I want, I'll put him to win. I think this horse is a must use no matter what. And as you all said, I think this horse is looking at a giant step forward. I also did not care for the Florida Derby, but he went into that race just after breaking his bait and he has to start somewhere. And I think if he wasn't acting silly and keeping his mind to task in the lane and switch leads, I think he would have won the thing. And I think Pletcher does think very, very highly of this horse. I'm very happy to see Mandy Pope's uh, lucrative breeding program finally paying off. Um, I'll tell you what, I like this horse for the Belmont. I think so. I might wait on this horse and see if they do take him to the Belmont, but I will be using him on Derby day. Nonetheless, and I'm anxious to see if Louis Saez does stay up. I believe he will. So that's my take on charge. I think we all kind of have a similar opinion on him. So let's move on to another horse. That one's going to be another one out of the Florida Derby. Sorry. I randomized these. I promise I didn't um, put them this way. Uh, it's simplification, not this time out of a candy ride mare bred very similarly epicenter trained by antonio sano for the first florida derby first in the fountain youth second in the holy bull um what do we do with this course and this field he's been very very consistent down um in the florida preps but where do we see his chances of him getting a piece of it in the kentucky derby after what we've already discussed about the florida prep races i'm not a huge fan um, this is a really consistent horse. That's hard to dislike too much because he's turned into the type of horse that always shows up. And unlike many others, he's got four races under his belt this season, which is positively old school by today's standards. This horse has been running once a month, uh, looked great in winning the fountain of youth, but that race just did not age. Well, a lot of horses came out of that race and disappointed next time out. He was third in the Florida Derby, but it's not like there were excuses for him in that particular race. The other two horses were just a little bit better than he was. Uh, nice horse. Hits me as sort of a grade two, grade three type, those secondary derbies down the line. I think that's a horse you want to bet at that point, not necessarily at this one. Um, I uh, Go ahead. I keep, I keep forgetting you're on here, Dan. Sorry, no, you're good. Um, <laughs> I wasn't going to chime in um, just because I have nothing to add. I mean, I I'm against the horse completely. I mean, I, like I mentioned, I don't like white a barrio. Um, if I don't like white a barrio, I'm not sure how I can like simplification. I, I just don't see the possibility for improvement like I do with charge it. So nothing really to add there. Yeah, I'm in agreement. I, I, I think um, I think last week was it last week we had Dickie on and I said, yeah. um we're going to give you simplification because he's an automatic toss. So yeah. I don't have much to add either. This horse is maybe a chance for third or fourth, in my opinion, just because he has been so darn consistent. Um, reminds me of another horse that, in my opinion, was more of a grade three, grade two type 
the Antonio Sano train that stayed around for quite a while. That was Gunavera. I could see this horse being kind of cut from the same cloth, different running style, but I think they're kind of made the same way, especially with the way Antonio trains. So that's kind of what I think about this horse. And I'm in agreement with maybe some races later on in the year and some easier competition. The next one is going to be Happy Jack, son of Oxbow, out of a tappet mare for the Doug O'Neill barn. Um, third in the San Anita Derby, third in the San Felipe Stakes, fifth in the Robert B. Lewis Stakes. This is another horse that's been running pretty consistently. Um, complete toss for you guys or use underneath. Would you give him a little bit of a shot to maybe finish, you know, that fourth or fifth or maybe even third because of how well Doug O'Neill knows how to prepare horses for the Kentucky Derby? And this horse is bred to get the distance. No. Stuff like that, huh? You'll give him a shot. Nope, no shot. No. Uh, a horse had to run third in the Santa Anita Derby. A horse had to run third in the San Felipe. Happy Jack was both horses. No, just <laughs> city blocks behind the likes of Forbidden Kingdom, Taiba, Messier, let alone the other types of horses that are going to run in this race. Uh, I think it was a really smart campaign job to get him here. Uh, the connections are obviously incredibly happy to be here. Doug O'Neill has won this race twice. If he does that this year, I quit gambling. Finally, we get to disagree. <laughs> oh, there we go. Nice. Wow. Well, I, w- I wouldn't say I'm high on the horse by any means. Um, but when I look at the figures that I have here, at least, I mean, it's, it's on par with those Florida Derby horses. Um, obviously, I think it's tough to make a figure when you have two clearing off like that in the Santa Anita Derby that are going to have big numbers. And what do you do with the one that ran quite a ways back in third? So I, I'm not dismissing your point, Andrew. I mean, it's, there was a massive gap there. So I'll just say this, if you're the betting type and you're going to be using those Santa Anita horses, Taba and Messier, if you think they're the winners, if you think they can finish one, two, I don't think you'd want to completely toss happy Jack out of the super or super high five. So I'll be using in the the very bottom rung of verticals, but yeah, I don't think the horse has a shot to win. Um, But I think also you're going to just see a massive price. And these are those horses that somehow, some way sneak in um, and just blow the things up. So I want to have it if it happens. (laughs) All right. So what horse last year ran his last two races with, nine um, thoroughgraph numbers with a nine back-to-back thoroughgraph numbers. Anybody know? No. No. Medina Spirit. Do you know what this horse has done his last two races? Eight. He's run eight. I'm not going to say he's going to win. I I think he's going to be somewhere in the mix for a lower level. And he has improved in his last three starts. So you can't knock him. He's, he's learning. Doug's been here before. Um, so I'm, I'm willing to give him a, a shot underneath. Um, of course, that might change once I see um, too close to call's final feet per second and all of his things that he does for that. But um, I wouldn't mind. I might use him underneath. I just don't feel like I know enough about this horse to really form, you know, an opinion of merit. I'm hearing both of what you guys are saying. Um, 
but I really don't think a lot of the preps out in California this year. So I'm t- willing to lean a little bit more toward um, maybe Andrew's side. I could see him maybe finishing fourth or fifth if like there was a total collapse or something perhaps, um, or somebody just didn't fire. Moving on to some more horses coming out of those races. We look to Messier, some of Empire Maker out of a smart strike mare for Tim Yachting. Second, the Ford or the Santa Anita Derby. First, in the Robert B. Lewis Stakes. Second, in the Los Alamitos Futurity. Um, do you think he ran a better race in the Santa Anita Derby than maybe it appeared, even though he was beaten by his stablemate in Taba? Um, the work a couple of days ago, in my opinion, that he had out in California was actually really, really impressive, in my opinion. Um, what do you guys think of Messier coming into this race as kind of the other Tim Yachting, I guess we would say? I like him a fair bit in here. Um, I think the connections were a little bit cagey going into the Santa Anita Derby, knowing they only needed to run first or second. I feel like that race wasn't the goal. This race is. And I think Messier is going to improve second off the bench, second time Tim Yachtin. And look, if Taiba is five to one, and Messier is 10 to 1, 12 to 1, going off of Messier's likelihood to improve, as well as the fact that this is a horse bred up and down to go as long as humanly possible. Compared to Taiba, I think this is the one to bet. I think Messier has a real live shot at taking everything down and forcing us to hear many, many people here. I'd like to thank Bob Bafford, who couldn't be here today when the trophy presentation is made. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree again. Um, <clears throat> I think just looking at the figure progression pattern on this one, it's the cleanest, nicest of, of the group. And just this actually just caught my eye now looking at it. Um, I don't think I quite realized the previous race prior to the Santa Anita Derby was in February, early February at that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's certainly no reason Messier can't improve off of that last effort. Um, if you watch that replay back, it was actually kind of an odd start. And I, for Taba and Messier, I think that they're, I won't call it trouble. It's a small field and it was hardly that. But um, the ability for both horses to kind of move position early in that race um, and get set and then run on late was, I thought, impressive. So if you don't remember Messier kind of uh, was in between Taba actually broke a little bit better and was kind of outside and Taba uh, Messier poked in the middle uh, JB kind of came up and then Mike took Taba back a bit and hung out three wide and when we get to Taba we can talk more about that but I actually thought um, both efforts were probably even better than they than they came out to be uh, so I think both have a huge shot I know Taba's got a lot of reasons not to use as well but um, the talent just jumps off the chart there. So I think both um, the SA Derby runners are big uses. I got to learn not to mute myself. Um, I'm not a big fan. Well, I mean, the elephant in the room is the fact that Tim Yachtin is supposedly training um, Messier and uh, Taba. So Let's just throw that out there. I think the horse is talented. I think he's a nice horse. I just, I just, 
and I mean, his figures show that he's a nice horse. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if he wins. I think, I think, uh, Sherry has it right. Um, I know she's high on the horse winning the Queen's Plate. Um, he will win the Queen's Plate if he goes there. Um, but I, I just don't think he's going to win this race. So here's the one thing I will say about Tim Yachtin, and I'll try to be as quick as I can because we've got a bunch of horses to go through, and I want to respect everybody's time. Tim Yachtin's taken a lot of flack over the past couple of weeks, and it's not the easiest situation for a guy to be in because if you're training these horses legitimately and they win, people are going to give the credit to Bob Baffert. If both of these horses finish outside the top five, you know who they're going to blame? Not Bob Baffert. And the other thing that I will say is to people that are trying to bash Yachtin and say that he's, you know, all these things and whatnot, and they're out there. Those people are out there because horse racing Twitter at its worst is a cesspool. Um, Was he supposed to say no to having multiple graded stakes caliber horses entering his barn for three months? Was he supposed to say no to that? I, I don't think so. Go a little easier on Yachtin for the moment. If it turns out that Baffert's using him as a beard or whatnot, then whatever. But if Yachtin's training these horses, and if it's a case where legitimately he's doing the best he can with the tools that he's got, leave him alone at least a little bit. Save the vitriol for, for other people that deserve it a little bit more. Honestly, I would not want to be in Tim Yachtin's position with this. He's damned if he do, damned if he doesn't. And I mean, that's really my only opinion on the entire situation. Um, as far as Messier goes, he's a wind contender, in my opinion, and a horse that I definitely want to use, you know, in every place here for this race. I think he's going to absolutely move forward off of what he did in the San Diego Derby. And I agree with Andrew. This isn't, you know, the spot that they wanted him to peak in. It's definitely next week. And, I'm, I think Johnny V did the right thing on this horse. I don't think he saw Taba coming and maybe realized that the only, you know, thing that he had to do was beat Forbidden Kingdom, which Forbidden Kingdom had an issue. Um, and they were going to pass him no matter what because of that. But maybe when he saw Taba coming on, he wrapped the horse up and wanted to save something for Louisville. And I like that. I think, you know, we're going to get a decent price on Messier. I'd be happy if I got eight to one on this horse. So I definitely want to use him. I definitely think he's a win contender. Um, we'll see. Johnny Velasquez knows how to win the Kentucky Derby. So I do like this horse. Let's move on to another horse, and that is the other Tim Yak team. That is Taba Gunrunner out of a uh, graded – or not graded stakes, a stakes-winning flatter mare. Won the Santa Anita Derby, beat his um, stablemate Messier. Is it too much to ask of this horse to win the Kentucky Derby in his third start? And – before I ask that question, um, I listened to the Monster Pod shout out to In the Money. Um, and I listened to what Jay Privman had to say about this horse. And Jay Privman hit all the points that I absolutely agree with. Um, and he actually brought up a point that I didn't know. Um, Bob Baffert slash Tim Yachtin and a lot of the people that um, Amir Zadon talked to all advised him against running this horse in the Santa Anita Derby because they thought it was too much too soon they wanted to perhaps use the allowance condition or wait a little while on this horse before throwing him into grade one company um so what does that say if they thought the santa anita derby was too much too soon for taba um he did win the race 
but one of the top contenders had a physical issue in that race. So what does that say about Taba going into the Kentucky Derby in his third start? I think it says the owner had Derby fever after last year. Um, and look, I can't blame him. Taiba is a very, very nice horse and winning a grade one at second asking going sprint to route against some very talented horses is not an easy thing to do. I'm not saying that Taiba on his best day can't win this race. He's going to be what second or third choice. Maybe might be favored. Who knows? I need more of a price in order to play him. I am not a workout expert by any means. I've said that a couple of times and I'll probably say it a couple more. I watched his lone work between the Santa Anita Derby and the Kentucky Derby. I was not impressed. The rider had to work to keep Taiba engaged. It looked like the workmate to his inside was actually going a little bit easier than Taiba was. If Taiba was skipping this race and waiting for the Preakness, I would love him because I think he would have gotten back on a normal work schedule. I don't think it was the plan to only have one work between the Santa Anita Derby and the Kentucky Derby. Uh, Ideally, you want more of a base there. And a reminder, one of the great stats that Jay Privman dug up, no horse with only two starts under its belt has won the Kentucky Derby since 1883. That is a 139-year trend that Taiba is trying to break. Is he talented enough? Yes. Does he have the pedigree that says he can go a mile and a quarter? Sure. There's a lot of ifs to consider, and I need way more of a price than I'm likely to get. I'll likely be playing against Taiba on almost all of my tickets, maybe all of them entirely. Interesting. <laughs> no, I, I, I love um, all those points. And I, this is, I think, the, the toughest one to navigate. Um, and I say that just because obviously the two starts, obviously the, you know, recommendation to skip the Santa Anita Derby, all of those things. Um, but he ran in the Santa Anita Derby and I thought one quite visually impressive. Uh, honestly, it, <laughs> I, if it weren't for just how good that looked. Um, and I mentioned kind of the, the weird start, how Taba came out well. Um, I think that it's hard to tell from two starts, but I, I think that both Messier and Taba have the ability to kind of find um, whatever running style they want, whether it's mid-pack, a um, little bit up front, which probably isn't going to be the case if the other speed stays in the race. Um, but the, the figures are just out of this world, um, easily the best thorough, uh, checks all the boxes except the inexperience, right? So when I start to think about that a little bit and go, two starts, are you kidding me? There's no way, right? Fields of seven and six. Well, then if we're going to talk about field size and things like that, it's, you know, or just being green, you look at Messier, I mean, what is there, six starts? But those fields were five, six, four, five, five, and six. I mean, those fields are tiny. There's so Messier and hasn't haven't hasn't even faced a ten horse field um, either. So you know, I think if you're going to knock one, you kind of have to knock both. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a it's a tough one. I'll just say this: I would never bet it to win at the price it's going to be. Right? No way. Um, 
I'm absolutely going to use on top in verticals. Um, if I'm keying somewhat of a price under, I'm not going to let the horse finish first or second and knock me out of something. If happy Jack finishes fourth or Barbara Ode finishes fourth, um, those kind of things. It's just, <clears throat> I can't let it happen. So, um, I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, I'm not going to use them. I don't, I didn't like that last work either. Yeah. He looked good as far as like that one photo they showed where he was all nice and muscled. Well, out. He looked right. like Pegasus in that photo. My goodness. <laughs> um, but I'm not, I'm not keen on it. I, I'm not keen on him at all. And I think, you know, the one thing, the one thing I always think of is the fact that here's a horse that went from sprinting to routing and he runs a huge race. And now you're expecting him not only to go an additional eighth of a mile, right? You're, you're also asking him to go, you know, a second route with a new barn, uh, with not a new barn, but a barn with a barn that really does better with sprinters than they do with older horses with, with routers. And so I just have a hard time with it. I, I just use them underneath, but I, I wouldn't use them on top because he's going to be too less of a price. If Tabor wins the Kentucky Derby, he's going to beat me doing it. That I can say, because I'm echoing a lot of what you guys are saying. And another thing that really scares me about this horse, not only do I think it's too much too soon, um, the San Anita Derby was not the plan. The one work was not the plan. Um, if you guys look back, if anybody ever looks at vets list or anything like this, um, this horse is incredibly unsound. That's another thing that bothers me. Um, he took a ton of time off. They had to stop on him multiple times after his two-year-old training sale, which a lot of horses do um, get time off after a two-year-old training sale. I hate two-year-old training sales. I think they really mess up horses. Ban them all. Yes, I don't, I don't like them. Um, I think this horse has some issues and I mean that's not to say that unsound horses haven't done well in these races and done okay it's just something that is a little bit makes me a little bit hesitant if that makes any sense and I think it's a lot to ask of this horse to do this in his third start and I think after running such a giant race in the Santa Anita Derby I think he's a huge bounce candidate actually coming into this race especially off of one work so I, I just I can't see it happening and in my opinion especially against this group he has to be justify an American Pharaoh, if not more. And he is not. That's just my opinion. If I may uh, jump in here really quick, just before we move on, I just want to clarify something. Two-year-old sales in principle, not a bad idea. Breeding horses to go an eighth of a mile at those training sales, bad idea. I would like two-year-old in training sales if they did jogs or just showed them, you know, in general, at a hand walk jogging doing a much slower work but the bullet one furlong two furlongs um it really messes horses up and usually there's not a lot of good ones that come out of that race nyquist is one that actually was very lucrative and hung on to good form and made it through his three-year-old season but really that's the only one i can think of um yeah um <laughs> i was at the barrett sale maybe the best one they ever did uh, they sold a horse named Stanford who wound up being a multiple graded stakes winner for Pletcher. Mm -hmm. Um, I was at that one and just, that was when I went, okay, you're telling me that we're going to expect these horses that are still growing 
to quote unquote breeze an eighth of a mile. And first of all, breeze is an incredibly loaded term because they're not breezing. The jocks are all out on these horses to go as fast as they possibly can over the course of an eighth of a mile. And I have heard from a number of people and the uh, chorus has grown over the past several years to do a study as far as what horses that fetched X amount of dollars on the whole wound up doing during their racing careers. The reason we haven't gotten that study is the people doing the study would not like what they find. No. And this was nearly a $2 million purchase. So I'm not discounting him totally, but if he wins the Kentucky Derby, I'm bringing no money home. So moving on to our next horse, it's another gun runner is Cyberknife for the Brad Cox barn. Um, won the Arkansas Derby was six in the Lecomte one and allowance race in between those two races. Um, another horse that I think is a little bit similar to charge it, in my opinion, very physically talented, but I do believe lacks the mental maturity to win this race. Where do you see him finishing in this race? And are you going to use him anywhere? I need to see the post draw with this horse. Uh, his win in the Arkansas Derby was good. I'm not knocking the effort that he put forth. Unlike many runners in that race, he had a picture perfect trip and capitalized on it. Now he had the tactical speed to make that trip. And that is going to help him significantly in the Kentucky Derby. But Barber Road had trouble. Secret Oath had trouble. Un Oho had trouble. Cyberknife came home clean. Now, whether or not he can get that clean trip in a 20 horse field is going to be key. If he draws well, He's got a shot underneath and I'll use him underneath. If he draws posts one, two, 19 or 20, I'm expecting a little bit of regression. Add in that I'm not crazy about the Arkansas prep races this year. I mean, Unoho was a zillion to one to win the Rebel, which he did. We're not hearing anything about the winners of the Southwest or the Smarty Jones this year. I don't think the Arkansas route was as strong this year as it has been in the past. Cyberknife is a very nice horse. Brad Cox, who had no derby horses on the leaderboard two months prior to the race, has three in the race as of right now, which is pretty cool. And of course, he's the defending champion in this particular race. So you can't throw him out completely. But I do think he needs to improve off of a perfect trip win. And that's not easy for horses to do. Yeah, this, this is one I'm going to be tossing completely from all wagers. I just can't see it. I've, I've been against Cyberknife every race. Uh, obviously, that's bit me the last couple, but uh, yeah, I'm against the Arkansas prep races. And I just, I'm already stretching to kind of get, get to <clears throat> Barber Road um, just based on price, really, and the trouble in that last two races, really. But yeah, Cyberknife for me is just with the Cox connection and the price it's likely to be just complete toss. Um, unless something like changes my thought process and uh, he's just a toss for me too. The only thing I will say is uh, he chased epicenter in two straight races and he improved off both of them. Then he goes back and he runs another solid race off the thoroughgraph numbers. So he's improving off the thoroughgraph numbers. So he might be worth a look if if you get a if he gets a good like post draw like right in the middle of the gate. But if not, then no. 
I've seen a lot. I saw this horse in action um, at Churchill before he raced. I saw his two first races. Um, I can tell he has grown up a little bit mentally, and I think he's going to be really, really talented if they keep him in training later on this year and even next year because I think he's extremely talented physically. He's just very, very immature, and to be quite honest with you, um, this horse is actually insane. Um, I've seen a lot out of him. I've talked to a lot of different people associated with this horse and he's just very, um, quirky's not even the right word for it. I, there's a screw loose or something. Um, he's kind of an aptly named horse, but given that I, I'm not really sure what to do with him in this race. I do think he is so physically gifted. I actually, uh, paced, placed a super bet on him as soon as I could before he even broke his maiden. So I would like to cash that but I don't think he will. I'm not really sure what to do with him in this race. I'd have to see the post draw as well, but I'm worried based off what I saw from his two races at Churchill with a minimal crowd, how he boiled over and just was hot, nervy rearing in the paddock. Um, 120,000 people in the Derby atmosphere, not going to be a friend to that horse. You know, on, like, what? you know how we were talking about how Gunrunner stamps all his babies? Mm -hmm. uh, this one got stamped by the flower alley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, that's probably why he's psychotic. I mean, <laughs> odd. <laughs> yes, we must be kind on this show. Yes. PC. Moving on to another gun runner, um, early voting, another gun runner out of a Tisnow mare um, for Chad Brown, one of uh, Chad Brown's first runner that we're going to be talking about second in the wood Memorial won the withers. Um, I think he's probably going to come out of this race. Uh, would this be a horse that you would consider for the Preakness? And if he does so happen to stay in, do you believe that he could have a win chance if he does get up and maybe set some fractions that are to his liking and does try to hang on? What are we thinking with early voting, you know, kind of thinking of both races. So when I see that Chad Brown is thinking about skipping the Derby to run in a Preakness with a talented three-year-old that's a little inexperienced and could benefit from the rest, I can't help but think of the fact that I needed Classic Empire about 10 different ways in 2017 and got the victim of a very, very, very dirty bob that Cloud Computing wound up winning to give Chad Brown his first win in a Triple Crown race. Uh, so anytime anybody talks about skipping the Preakness, skipping the Derby to run the Preakness, I say, yeah, thanks for that. Um, I do think he'd be live if they gave him the two extra weeks to rest up for the Preakness and got that horse in prime condition to go a little bit shorter. I thought he ran a nice race in the Wood Memorial. It's not like they went slow up front early. If you're going sub 48 to the half, going a mile and an eighth over that quirky aqueduct track, you're moving a little bit. It's not like that horse got loose in 49 and change or 50 and change. They were moving up front and it's not like he was stopping either. He was trying every step of the way. It's just that Mo Donegal got a picture perfect ride from Joel Rosario to win that race. As far as the Kentucky Derby goes, if he runs, he's a pace factor. And if he runs, I can see some people thinking that maybe he's going to be used as a rabbit for Zandon. And I think he's just too good to be a rabbit. Wouldn't be at all surprised if they kept him out of the Derby, waited the two weeks, ran in the breakness. Yeah, Andrew, you hit it right on the head at the end there with the rabbit thing. I, 
I've been curious to kind of hear more about the idea to skip the derby after classic cause, <clears throat> excuse me, battling the cold here. Um, since classic causeway um, came back into the race, I haven't heard peep. So I wondered to that point, you know, are they just trying to set it up for Zandon now that there's even more early pace? So other than that, I don't, I don't think uh, I give much shot uh, to early voting <clears throat> other than just being a pace pace factor. And um, like you mentioned, I mean, Mo Donegal got a great ride, um, but ultimately early voting had everything his way on the front that day. And I mean, if you're not going to win that one, there's going to be way more pace in the Derby. So I just can't see it. Um, I think him running a 111 speed figure for net. And then you look back and you look and see that he jumped up almost 20 points. Uh, that he's a toss for me. He's he. There's a bounce factor to it, and I want no part of that. I don't think I would use him in the Derby if he does stay in. I don't think he will stay in. Um, that's just my opinion. However, I'm eager to use him in the Preakness because I believe he has cloud computing 2.0 written all over him. I think the Preakness is a better race. and I think he's going to benefit from getting two extra weeks. So ultimately I think we do see this horse come out. I'm sure it'll be announced in the next couple of days. Um, moving on to another horse, that horse is tis the bomb uh, by hit of the bomb out of a tis now mare for Kenny McPeak won the Jeff Ruby stakes, won the John, the Tagley Memorial and was seventh in the Holy bull stakes. Um, is this horse cut from the same cloth as Animal Kingdom? Do you see any similarities between these two horses, you know, winners of the Spiral slash Jeff Ruby stakes? And coming into a year without a clear standout, he's probably one of the better winners to come out of that prep circuit. Uh, does this horse have a realistic chance in this race? Can I rant for a minute? And I promise I won't be too long or abusive about this. Sure. How is the Jeff Ruby a 100 point prep other than Churchill Downs on Turfway Park? <laughs> I think that's your answer. Yeah. I mean, it's, I understand that it's a late season prep. And if you want to make it a win and you're in at 50 points, that's fine. Tis the bomb is a nice horse. But the fact that they have rerouted this horse several different times in several different ways concerns me. Initially, they thought this horse had some dirt ability, so they ran him at Gulfstream. That did not go well. They then decided, okay, we're going to run in a derby, not a derby. We're going to aim for the Epsom Derby overseas. But oh, by the way, there's a couple of these races at Turfway Park that have a lot of money signed on to them. Let's go get some of the money. So they won the Bataglia. They won the Jeff Ruby and they did so pretty impressively. Tis the bomb is a very nice horse, but he's shown absolutely nothing on dirt. Uh, to me, this horse is a toss based on that. I don't see animal kingdom here. I see a turf horse going to dirt because they got enough points to run in the Kentucky Derby. I can't fault them for that decision. I will not be playing this horse on the first Saturday in May. I may be playing this horse, however, in early June if they continue on with plans to go across the pond. A lot of good points, Andrew. Uh, mostly I agree. I, I'm, this one's eating at me, to be honest, um, because 
I wanted to be completely against until Tony Port ran back and ran quite well on dirt. Obviously, they're two different horses, so Tis the Bomb may maybe will will not be um, running well on the dirt, and hasn't proved to so far. Uh, but what what it really comes down to to me and not. I'm sure Brian Hernandez Jr. is a tremendous person. Um, I can't play him on dirt, and it's simple as that. So he will not be on my tickets. All right. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a couple reasons. One, he broke his mane at Alice Park on the dirt. Uh, and won by 14. <laughs> yeah, he won by 14. Um, he didn't beat much, but he still won by 14. Uh, then they then they went on the dirt because you want or then they went on the turf because you know winning a half a million dollar win in your end for the juvenile mile turf race at Kentucky Downs has that effect and then he won the bourbon um, he finished set, he he technically won the um, the Delmar or the Breeders' Cup juvenile turf even though he finished second. I'm willing to throw out that holy bull stake for a couple reasons. One, Gulfstream horses either like that track or they don't. The dirt track, it's it's different than than Churchill. He predominantly trains at Churchill during the winter, or last year he trained during at Churchill for quite a bit. I don't see. I I, I actually kind of like him a little bit. Uh, it's strange to say that, but I kind of like him. He, you know, he's he's showing improvement. Why not? Why not take a shot with him? You're probably going to get a price. You're going to get a better price than you would have if he would have won the Holy Bowl. Um, so I, I'd give him a shot. I'm really not sure how I feel about him, you know, to be quite honest. Do I think he's Animal Kingdom? I don't. But I was against him in both the John Bataglia and the Jeff Ruby stakes. So he damn sure won't beat me a third time in here. I can say that. Um, I will be using him. Do I think he's win candidate? No, but I am going to give myself that coverage, you know, should that happen because I do believe he's a talented horse. Um, I, I think he's headed in the right direction. I think he's progressing forward. And I do think that he'll be okay getting the distance. That was my question for him at Turfway. He's proven me wrong both times whether it was just a synthetic or like who was he beating but going back to what dan said tawny port has gone on to run well i like tawny port too i think he's a really talented horse so that means i have to use this horse somewhere i have no reason not to um i would flip it the other way with andrew i think i would use him here before i would use him over in europe because i don't think he's going to go to europe because his ownership group phoenix thoroughbreds um i believe kenny's barn was just leasing this horse from them um a Phoenix Thoroughbreds, I believe, is not allowed to run in Europe anymore because they've been in trouble. That's so a I'm very not... good point and something I completely missed. So that's very good on you, Caitlin. <laughs> so I don't know if he goes or not. Um, I think a lot of that is also going to depend on tomorrow. We'll see who wins the 2000 guineas tomorrow and see if they have a chance to go to the Derby and maybe progress on forward. There's other horses over there that can run a mile and a half. So I'm not sure what to do with Tis the Bomb. Next week for the rest of the year, what have you, this horse has always been a mystery to me, but I did, I will say I did cash stacks on him in the juvenile turf. Um, I'm going to use him, not sure to what capacity, but he's not going to beat me for a third time. Moving on to another horse that I also have a lot of questions about. It's another Brad Cox uh, trainee. It's Zozo, son of Munnings. Um, 
as I said, I have a lot of questions about this horse. He's the big question mark horse to me in this race. I just don't know a lot about him. So he's always kind of been a mystery to me. Um, Brad Cox horses are always meant very well in this race. Do you get this, this one more of a chance versus say cyber knife, the other big Brad Cox name in this race? So I liked Zozos a lot more before classic causeway re-entered the picture. Zozos went two for two to start his career, won his second start by 10 lengths, looked like he could be any kind. They ran him back in the Louisiana Derby, and I didn't use him that day because I looked at the pedigree. I saw Munnings out of a forestry mare, and I'm thinking, they're sending this horse a mile and three sixteenths, really? Well, he gets to the front end. He sets a moderate pace. Again, he's working up front, not necessarily out there getting comfortable. Epicenter gets tipped out and moves by both Zozos and Pioneer of Medina like they're standing still at a bus stop. Zozos, in his third start, passed for the very first time, has every right to give up the ghost, and doesn't. He winds up holding second along the rail. Epicenter was considerably best that day, but this was Zozos' third career start, went a mile and three-sixteenths at third asking, which is not an easy thing to do, and did it reasonably well. Now, I think with Classic Causeway in the mix, with Summer is Tomorrow in the mix, we'll see if early voting winds up running. I think it might be a little tougher for him to get the trip that I thought maybe he would get when Classic Causeway was out and it looked like for sure early voting wasn't going to run. Now, I do think he presents some value at his likely price. I do think there's reason to expect to move forward and he'll be on any exact and trifecta tickets I play, certainly in the second or third spots. Do I think he's good enough to win? Probably not, but I do think you're going to get a price and I do think you're going to get a Brad Cox horse that's moving the right direction at the right time heading into the first Saturday in May. There's stuff to like here. Yeah, I agree, Andrew. I've changed my tune completely on Zozos. Um, I'm with you, Louisiana Derby. I thought, well, what are they doing? I'm, I mean, this horse just screams shorter. <clears throat> uh, I thought, you know, mild three sixteenths is way too much. Derby distance too much. Um, you know, like you said, pace, pace is moderate. <clears throat> but I actually think the uh, slightly different opinion than, than yours on the pace of the Derby. I think if we can get a few of these others to go a little bit quick, um, and Zozo sits in behind, I think that actually helps. And then Zozo's can run the, the pace that he's probably comfortable at. Um, the first two wins um, didn't go gate to wire, so sat behind for a little bit and probably can do it. Um, I still think the distance is a concern to some degree, <clears throat> but this is the, the Cox horse that I, I'll use. Um, I'm not using them. I... I thought this horse was a lot better than I thought at the beginning. I'm going to wait for this horse to run under on turf, to be honest with you. I think this horse is screaming to be on turf, um, especially with the forestry on the bottom part. Munnings throws a lot of good turf runners. Uh, I'm willing to, to wait, sit it out, and if he beats me, he beats me. I'm kind of warming up to this horse a little bit as maybe an underneath play. I think he's talented. Um, I'm not sure he can get the distance. I like him better around one turn, in my opinion. Um, I think he's probably a good miler. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Golden Sense. 
um, from a few years ago, perhaps. Um, I think it's a lot to ask, and I think he's definitely a cut below some of the win contenders in this race, but I do really, really like the horse and the Brad Cox factor kind of makes me think a little bit. Um, I'm anxious to see which one Florent Giroud jumps on either him or Cyberknife, probably Cyberknife. So I'm not sure who's going to get them out um, on this horse, but Munnings is a very useful sire. Um, and I really, really like that. So not quite sure what to do with Zozos. Um, but let's move on to another one. That one's going to be Zandon, another Chad Brown horse. And speaking of Chad Brown, I want to pivot very quickly back to early voting. He works tomorrow and the decision will be made tomorrow on whether or not to go to the Kentucky Derby. I just read that. So stand by. Um, Zandon, son of upstart out of a creative Cosmere, won the Bluegrass Stakes, third in the Risen Star, second in the Remsen. Um, is Zandon really worth all of the hype? Who has he beaten other than Smile Happy in the Bluegrass? Um and was the work that he had this morning really as good as they say, um, based off what I saw on Twitter and in the video, um, it was supposed to make the blind see and the lame walk. So is Zandon really the one? Based on ability, I have no doubt Zandon can win the Kentucky Derby. The work that he had today, I was very impressed by. Just the last eighth of a mile, He's tugging and he's pulling the rider. The rider's got the feet up on the dashboard, not asking the horse for much at all whatsoever. That's everything you want to see. Now, the problem with Zandon is that as a deep closer, he needs a lot to go right. That does not mean he is not good enough to win. It does not mean that as a closer, he cannot win the Kentucky Derby. But I'm in a similar boat with him as I am with Taiba in that I need more of a price than I'm likely to get in order to bet him on top. If I'm playing pick fours and such, I will be using Zandon, but as far as any sort of vertical exotics, exactas, trifectas, and whatnot, this is one that I'm going to be trying to beat because I just think the five to one or six to one would like to get is a little bit of an underlay in that particular spot. I like this horse think the world of this horse's talent. And if you want to see a picture perfect ride, watch the bluegrass and watch what Flavian Pratt does aboard Zandon in that particular race. It is a thing of beauty. This horse absolutely has the talent to win. Will he get the trip? Reply hazy. Ask again later. Yeah, a lot of similar uh, views as Andrew. I think uh, you have the best jockey in my opinion. So you get Pratt hopefully up on, on Zandon that can only help. Um, we haven't talked a whole lot about post draw and usually that doesn't really come up with these, uh, closers, but I really do feel this is the year we're going to see some of those front runners back up. And when they back up, they back up along the rail, most likely since that's where they're likely to be. Right. So I'm actually, uh, concerned for any closers that are going to be drawing one through five. <clears throat> so a lot of that's going to factor in to what I think of Mo Donegal and Zandon and, maybe even smile happy and some of these others that might be contenders. Um, but yeah, I think there's, you know, Zandon's clearly talented, has a talent, has shown it, um, just needs the trip. Um, so Zandon, Zandon worked yet today, right? Yeah. Okay. So here, here's my problem with, Number one, I can't find the work because I want to see it. Um, especially if he's saying it's on the dashboard. I, I'm not a big fan of writers that are on the dashboard and works. 
that tells that tells me more that the horse probably ran off a little bit more than they wanted him to. Uh, he went faster than Chad probably wanted him to, um, but he won't say that publicly. Uh, I like this horse. I think I think he's one of the better horses in this field. Uh, but at the same token, I think he's not as seasoned as some of the other ones in this race. And that kind of bothers me. And then the other thing that bothers me is <clears throat> he really hasn't beaten anybody. <laughs> he can't beat if he hasn't beaten out. He he didn't beat Epicenter. He got beat by Mo Donegal. Um, you know, it, no, I, I mean, yes, to a point, maybe he beat he runs well, but I, you know, he's only got four starts, not a lot of recency, he continues to improve as brisnet figures i just i just think there's other horses in here that are going to provide with a better value i'm kind of in agreement with all of you i think xana <clears throat> has a really big chance to win one of the triple crown races this year i'm just not quite sure it's this one um <laughs> very good ride on him in the bluegrass but he was supposed to win the bluegrass i mean Smile Happy, I've never really thought that much of, to be quite honest with you. And he Smile Happy wasn't 100% in that race either. So wasn't Zandon supposed to win the Bluegrass? Um, I'm asking the same question to Zandy, you know, who's he beat? And I'm not trying to be, you know, critical at all because the work was very, very good. That's what you want to see if that's your derby horse. Um, he's in my A category for the derby horses and I'm going to use him. I'm just not sure he's going to get the trip or he's going to get the setup that he necessarily wants um, draws a big factor for this horse. I agree with um, Dan there. I just feel like there's others that you can maybe poke less holes in than you can Zandon. Um, and I don't think we would be talking as much about this horse. If there was a huge horse coming out of Florida or not, not as many question marks with Taba um, because there's a lot of question marks for me with Zandon. Um, I'm warming up the horse after what I saw in the bluegrass and after this work, but he's just not my favorite out of the top contenders, but if he, I'll be using him. And if he wins, it wouldn't shock me. Um, moving on to another mystery horse. That's crown pride. The UAE Derby winner, a uh, son of reached the crown out of a King Kamehameha mare. Um, Koichi Shintani is the trainer. Um, let me just speak to this before we talk about how the UAE Derby has been historically bad in this race because it has been absolutely dreadful. But make no mistake, Japan has ran three horses in the Kentucky Derby, and they have ran 14th in 1995, 9th in 2016, and 6th in, in 2019. These horses keep getting better. And after what, has Japan, what Japan has shown in the past two years in their progression, in racing across the world, what they did in the Breeders' Cup, Dubai, Saudi. Um, no matter the fact that this horse ran in the UAE Derby, will you use this horse based off of that alone? I will not be using Crown Pride in this spot, but I will say I'm rooting for him. And here's why. So at some point in the next 20 years, Japan's going to win a Kentucky Derby. It's going to happen with the focus they have in their breeding program on stamina, soundness, foundation, horses running a lot, 
horses being allowed to lose and get better and develop in the ways that American horses used to be allowed to develop before the focus shifted to whatever the heck brilliance is in our breeding programs. The second a Japanese horse comes over and wins the Kentucky Derby, I think some stuff changes. So I'm rooting for crown pride on ability. I can't see it. Um, the UAE Derby is uh, it, it's, it's a soft spot for me because I had a pretty nice future bet on Mendelssohn that looked really, really nice after he won the UAE Derby by a city block or nine and then came over and just was God awful. Um, I, I don't see it here with crown pride at some point though, it's going to happen. And if you think otherwise, Look at some of the horses that Japan has on the world stage. Look at what we've got. The scales are becoming closer and closer to balancing in that regard. And ignoring the Japanese program is a mistake. Yeah, you guys have hit all the important points, so I'll be brief. But if there's a horse that should get the distance with no issue, it's Crown Pride. Um, it's going to be flying late. I just feel that if you don't use in fourth or fifth, if you're playing those wagers, you might have a little moment. Um, I just, I feel like that's where this one's going to be in that five through 10 range. Um, I'll use underneath for sure. Um, I think, I think Caitlin hit it on the head with me. The same thought process. I think we've both been on, on that whole, you know, Japan has improved so much over the last three, four years that you can't throw the horse out as far as, you know, uh, multi-race wagers. Why not toss him in there? If he, if he ends up winning, you might be, you might scoop the whole pot kind of deal. Um, at the same token, you might want to put him up on top on some, uh, some tries and exact is, but um, do I think he's going to win? No. Would I like to see him win? Oh, yes, I would. Just so they could get rid of the whole derby, UAE derby talk out of the way. Kind of like, you know, Asmussen and his derby talk, right? I mean, you run it once a year. And, you know, Andrew, just to let you know, Mendelssohn, Mendelssohn got completely squeezed in that. Derby race. Trust me, I know I am well aware. Middleson <laughs> <laughs> was literally a ping pong ball. <laughs> yeah, that was uh that was the old they're off you lose joke. Uh for anybody that had Mendelssohn in that particular race. My I dad did. and I my dad and I split a future bet on him at 45 to 1 prior to the UAE Derby. And uh that looked like a really good price after that race. He went off at what eight, nine to one? Something and, to that effect. Yeah, he was actually a very nice price. Yeah. Um, I, I like that horse in that race. He turned. Hopefully, he's turned into a nice sire. But that particular race, he just had his first winner. I think. Yeah, nice. Good for him. Good for him. He, the horse finished third today. Um, ran really nice. That was on the turf. So I think they'll be, you know, kind of multi-purpose horses the way uh, Mendelssohn was. Um, I think Crown Pride's a win contender in this race. And I'm not saying it just because, you know, I love Japan. Um, these are the smartest people in horse racing. And I think they could win a Kentucky Derby as soon as 10 years. Will it be this one? I'm not sure, but I'm going to be using this horse everywhere because I am 
extremely confident in saying this horse is going to run top five. Um, I think he's going to be there somewhere late, a uh, stretch to win, but I do think he can win this race. I think he's looked very, very good. Um, I like the quirky training patterns they have for these horses because they work. And I like how fast they got this horse over here. They shipped him over here right after the UAE Derby. This horse has been here almost two months. He was a first horse on the grounds of the Kentucky contenders or the Kentucky Derby contenders at Churchill Downs. He's been here forever. He's used to everything. Um, the pumpkin circumstance of the Kentucky Derby is not going to shake him because they do all that and more over in Japan. So I feel really good about this horse hitting the board. And I think I'm going to get a really good price on him. Moving on to another one um, that is White Abario, son of Race Day out of an end of mischief mirror for Safi Joseph Jr. Uh, won the Florida Derby, won the Holy Bowl, third in the Jockey Club Stakes. Out of all the 100-point winners, this is the horse I see getting the least amount of buzz. Um, why do you think that is? Um, I've got a couple of theories. First of all, as we've talked about with other horses exiting the Florida Derby, they walked home in that race. Uh, you go the mile in 136, you finish in 150. That doesn't inspire a lot of confidence that this horse will be at his best going a mile and a quarter. That's one of them. The other factors are he's four for four at Gulfstream. He's 0 for one elsewhere. May just be a horse for course. Safi Joseph has never had a derby winner. Personally, last year at Saratoga, I made a lot of money betting against Safi Joseph shipping out of Gulfstream Park. Um, it's a case where I think he's going to have to prove it as opposed to other people just saying how good he is. This is a nice horse in the right setting. I'm not knocking a grade one winner for no reason. You win the Florida Derby, you're a nice horse. I just prefer others in this spot. Certainly at the likely price, I can't bet them. Yeah, that's a key point for me. There's a winner of the Florida Derby is going to probably take some money. Not, you know, not going to be the top few, but enough for me to just completely fade. The figures aren't there. Didn't look visually impressive one bit. Um, the last furlong, last three furlongs, hideous. Um, that race was so, so bad. So I'm, I'm out. If the Florida Derby um, somehow bounces back and they, they run well, I will uh, be out of everything. Um, I don't like them. Uh, I think there's a lot of reasons not to like them. One of them is you know, for obvious reasons of the fact that, you know, the whispers on Safi Joseph sometimes. Uh, and so that also kind of comes into play here. So I'm just, he's a toss for me. If he beats me, he beats me. Definitely on the same page with you guys. This one's a complete fade for me. Um, charge it and maybe some vacation for like fourth and fifth will be the only horses that I'll be using out of the Florida Derby. Um, Taking a look at a, another horse, Un Ojo, son of the late Lau Bon out of an AP any mare for trainer. We, both, we all need to look really hard. We, we can only use one eye. <laughs> Ricky Corville's first Kentucky Derby starter, eighth in the Arkansas Derby, won the Rebel, though, second in the Weathers. Um, does this horse have a realistic shot to maybe score a small piece, um, or is he a total toss? He did have a very bad trip in the Arkansas Derby, so I think he can maybe move forward a little bit. Um, and do you think this horse is going to receive the type of fanfare that Patch and Pollard's vision do since he does have one eye? Um, I, I actually liked this horse in a couple of starts prior to the Rebel. He ran in a race at Aqueduct and was second at a pretty big price. Uh, the problem with Un Ojo is 
He's for one is a closer that needs everything to go right in front of him Two, when he makes contact with another horse, he stops. He's a very, very difficult horse to ride. He got a perfect ride in the rebel to pull off an upset win there, but I don't think he beat much in that particular race. I know he had a bad trip in the Arkansas Derby. He got slammed into the rail, needed staples in his left shoulder. Those have apparently come out and he's back on the work tab, ready to go for the Derby. Um, If you're a super high five player and you want to throw him in fifth, I think that's his ceiling with a perfect trip. Beyond that, I, I can't recommend him for anything higher than just scooping up the smallest of minor awards if the pace breaks down. Uh, this is a horse that, as a New York bred, is going to be eligible for some very expensive races later this year at Belmont and Saratoga. I think he's a horse to watch in those particular races with two eyes, not one. But this particular race, I think, is just a bridge too far. I am thrilled that Andrew had some nice things to say because I, I have nothing. I've just 100% toss. No chance. Um, first off, I, I'm surprised that Caitlin didn't mute you after your first bad joke on the eyesight. Um, She's nicer than you are. Yeah. And then second, second, I'm shocked it only took you this many horses to mention how lucrative the New York racing association i am a new york bread so i need to pay i need to give the new york bread program some love (laughs) but i'm in a i'm kind of in agreement both of you i think as far as you know picking up pieces yes uh the gelding factor in this one there's only been what two horses that have won the derby since 1929 that have been geldings mind that bird and and uh, funny side, if I may not be, if I'm correct. Funny side, the New York bread. Yes, I know. I Had know. to. I know. Uh, he's a toss. <laughs> yeah, I'm leaning toward also tossing this horse. I just don't see it. Um, I think he's going to be an underlay because um, people are going to like the name. They're going to like that he has one eye. They're going to like that he's a gelding. They're going to like that he's a New York bread. Um, probably won't be using Let's go ahead and take a look at another horse coming out of New York. Not a New York bred, but um, we're in the New York races. That's Mo Donegal by Uncle Mo for the Todd Fletcher Barn. Won the Wood Memorial third in the Holy Bowl, first in the Remsen. Um, this is kind of a quirky horse to me. Launches from pretty far out of it, but I've heard several people say that maybe he can set a closer trip in the Kentucky Derby. Do you think this horse can be tactical enough to maybe do something like that and be a bit closer? I think he could be. I also think the first Saturday in May is not the time to bet this horse. Every year I sort of have a white whale project that those who follow me will understand. I try to find the Belmont winner as far in advance as I possibly can. Guys, I think this is it. Um, Mo Donegal runs like a horse that wants to go nine miles. Uh, In the Holy Bull, he ran in spurts, but... This is a horse that was thought highly enough of to run in the grade two Remsen, which by the way, is probably the best renewal of the Remsen in several decades with the horses that have come out of that race and are on the Derby trail. But this horse looks the part of one that wants to go all day. I think he can be closer. 
I do think the draw matters. I don't think he's going to be a speedball. He's not going to be up near the front, but I do think there's a chance that a router tease junior, the likely rider could have him in 10th or 12th as opposed to 19th or 20th. And I do think that could help him here. Do I think he's talented enough to win the Derby? Not necessarily, but he's an underneath horse for me for sure. And what I'm hoping is that he has one of those one paced seventh beaten 10 lengths in the Derby comes back in the Belmont at 12, 15 to one. And then that's the spot to unload on him. Uh, This is a nice horse that wants to go as long as they will card races for him. Uh, I was not surprised when they rerouted to the Wood Memorial. Wasn't surprised that he won that race. I really liked him that day. I can't see him on top, but could he run second or third? Sure. Yeah, we're back to agreeing again, so that's easy. Okay, uh, good. <laughs> I, I hear you for sure on the Belmont. Um, a 20-horse field for this one feels pretty dicey to me. Um, feels like a plotter a little bit more than some of these others that run from the back kind of that one pace, just anything that is in the way is going to be a problem. There's no stop and start um, with this horse from what I can tell from um, watching some replays and things. So the post certainly matters. I mean, can he win? Definitely. Um, The figures are there. Um, Yeah, ran some big races, but I'm going to have a real tough time putting on top. But I certainly think um, both Zen and Mo Donegal, some of these others from the back, about as sure as it gets if they can find the trip to hit the board. Yeah, I, I, I'm in agreement with all of you. I think, I think he's good underneath. I just don't know whether or not he's going to be a win contender. Um, you know, lightly raced. He kind of runs a good race, runs a bad race kind of deal as far as like his speed figures. He went off as a favorite in the Holy Bowl and didn't break well, and then he made up a little bit of ground. Um, then he gets the perfect trip in the Akron, in in the Wood Memorial. Um, there's other horses here to like. Uh, I'm not I'm not fond of him. Definitely, probably not a win contender for me, but it must use underneath. So I'm in agreement with all of you on that. Um, and Andrew, I very much agree with you. Um, if there's one thing Todd Fletcher knows how to do, it's lose the Derby, come back in five weeks, and win the Belmont. I'm taking Mo Donegal and charge it to the hoop in the Belmont Stakes, but not in the Kentucky Derby for either one of them. Let's go ahead and take a look at another horse. We have four horses left, so bear with me, please. We've done 18 of them. We're on to our last four. Um, the next one is Tawny Port, the last of the Brad Cox trainees, um, first in the Lexington Stakes, second in the Jeff Ruby, fifth in the Risen Star. Um, I think he ran a better race than it appeared in the Risen Star, had a ton of trouble. Um, I think he probably would have been second or third had he not had all the trouble. And then he bounced back and did back up that dirt form in the Lexington. Is this one a realistic shot to bomb in for a price underneath, in your opinion? I don't think so. I'm not all that big on what he beat in the Lexington. Now, one thing I will do, I'm going to give the connections a world of credit because as it turned out, the morning of the Lexington was when a couple of horses defected off the Derby trail and Tawny Port had enough points to run in the Kentucky Derby without running in that race. 
They could have just as easily said, okay, we're in the Derby. We're going to bubble wrap this horse. We're just going to get to Kentucky. We'll be fine there. They chose to run in the Lex- the run in the Lexington. Maybe it's because the horse was doing well. Maybe they just wanted to see what they had on dirt. Either way, the horse won and rewarded their optimism. I like that. That was pretty cool. I just don't think he beat a lot that day. Major General hasn't really panned out. Neither has In Due Time. That one was a real disappointment. I liked In Due Time a lot in that particular race. Side note, by the way, Lexington Day at Keeneland, probably the worst day of my life as a handicapper. I was wrong about literally everything that particular day. I didn't like Tony Port a whole heck of a lot in that race. He winds up winning at five or six to one. He's going to be about eight to 10 times that price on Kentucky Derby Day. No thanks. Nice horse. We'll see him again in some of those grade three derbies that are worth a lot of money. Think he could potentially improve significantly as he gets older. Like the pedigree too, you don't see a lot of macho uno on the bottom side anymore. And that one was a really cool horse and a really cool sire. But as far as the derby goes, no thanks from me. So how much, how much, how, how bad was it? Dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Uh, there was so, a children's book. $2? Uh, it, it, it was $2.40. It was whatever not this time paid to show. That nice. is how dreadful that handicapping day was for me. Um, yeah, not good. Not good at all. There was a children's book that talked about wh- whoever the heck the name was and the terrible, awful, no good, very bad day. That was my terrible, awful, no good, very bad day. It was not n- nowhere close to good. So, Go ahead, Andy. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to pretty much echo what Andrew said. I'm, I mean, the figures came back so poor for the Lexington. Um, I just don't feel like there was much in that race. And if I'm not going to be liking uh, Tis the Bomb, I'm going to have a tough time getting to Tawny Port and just going to be a toss for me. So who was the last horse to run in the, in the Jim Beam? Um, or not the Jim Beam, the Spiral on the way. Yeah, spiral Jim Beam, and then come back and win, and then come back and run in the Lexington. Was, was that my boy's Huh? Was it charismatic? Uh, that would be correct, sir. Woohoo! What do I win? Actually, you are incorrect, sir. Sorry. Hey, jerk. <laughs> Cancel 1991. Uh, that horse would have been uh, Strike the Gold. No, I said who won, who ran in the Jim Beam and then turned around and ran, won the the Lexington. Oh, I don't know. Hansel. Oh, well, yeah, that makes sense now that you're talking about. And it. the only reason, the only reason why he ran in there is so he could get enough money to run in the Derby because he didn't have enough money at the time. Um, so that said, uh, Tony Port has a big spot. I think the three weeks in between races is probably going to be hard to, to like on the source. So, um, I'll, I'll toss it. Uh, he's a toss to me. I don't think I would necessarily toss him because I really like what he's done at Turfway. I really like that he can stand up on dirt. Definitely not a win candidate or a second for me, but he's one that I'll probably use underneath for the minor awards because I think he's honest enough. 
Um, moving on to another horse. Drum roll, please. Dun, da, da, da. Barbara Road, son of race day for John Ortiz, going to be his first derby, second in the Arkansas Derby, third in the Rebel Stakes, second in the Southwest, second in the Smarty Jones Stakes. Um, kind of a wise guy horse in this um, this year, as I've been saying, uh, to maybe get a piece of it. Will he be one of the longer shots on the border? Do you think all the whispers that maybe we're hearing on social media and other places are kind of going to make this horse and underlay. I'm going to let Dan go first because he's been uh, secretly hyping yes. this horse all show. So Dan, take <laughs> it away, buddy. All right. Well, that's a good question, Caitlin, on the price. Um, I have a hard time believing that this horse is going to take a lot of money in, in the wind pool. Um, I have no ambition to use this horse on top at all. None. Um, the reason I think that you know, it's going to create some value underneath on some verticals is, I mean, lost to Unoho, who's, I mean, like I said, I don't think has any shot. I don't like Cyberknife one bit. So I think I'm already kind of stretching to use this horse underneath. Um, but it's one of one, maybe, horses in here who had, who's had legitimate excuses the last two races, had, I would call it legit trouble. Um, some of it just might be being green. Some of it could be, um, just bad luck. I don't know, but it's certainly something that I'm willing to find out if, uh, can turn the tables a little bit to finish underneath. But, um, you know, it's, it's weird. This horse seems to just always keep running and trying at the end, no matter what the trouble is that has to have, that has to be a pretty good sign for the Derby. I would think, um, has faced some pretty big fields, uh, 13, 12, 11, and nine in the last few, um, not too many, I think, you know, have, have faced some sizable fields and had that trouble and taken the dirt and all of that. Um, so there's no way I'm going to let this horse knock me out of something underneath. I might throw it in on top um, in a few horizontals, but ultimately it's a, it's a, it's an underneath key for me. I will be um, slotting it in alone in some of the under, underneath spots in most of my wagers. I want this horse to do well for a couple of reasons. One, this is a horse that always seems to fire. I've got a soft spot for consistent horses that always show up. And Barber Road has always shown up, even if the numbers are a little bit lower than what's probably likely to win this race. Also, Jackie Relu Gutierrez, one of the top young riders in the sport, is one of less than five graduates from the State University of New York at Cortland oh, that I like. Yes, that is the second time in two nights I am trotting out that line. Can you tell we've gotten through 18 horses and I'm struggling for new material? Um, having said that, though, like a lot of the other closers we have talked about, he needs a lot to go right. On top of that, he needs to probably fire his career best shot. Can he? Sure. Is it likely? Probably not, but you're probably going to get somewhat of a price on this horse, so I can't fault anybody using underneath in the spots Dan had mentioned. As far as the win end, I don't think so. As mentioned, I'm just not crazy about that Arkansas uh, field and those prep races at Oakland Park. I don't think they were as strong as they've been in years past. And I think there's something about this horse where he just always seems to find trouble. And if you want to find trouble, a 20 horse field is a really good place to find yourself some trouble. So for me, a play against, but for Dan, I understand why that's a key. And if he can get one of his key horses home in first, 
then all of a sudden, if Barbara Rhodes in that top five, that super high five pays really, really well. Um, I'll keep it short and sweet. I I don't think anybody out of the I'm I'm not fond of anything out of the Oakland Oakland uh, races, and so um, I'm I'm likely not to use them on the wind end. I may use them fourth or fifth, but in all reality, I'm more of a wind player and a multi-race wager player, so they're just not going to be used. I think I'm going to have to see um, this horse in the flesh a little bit more before I make a final decision. I'd like to see this horse do well. John Ortiz is a pretty good friend of mine. Um, I followed him since the beginning of his career. He was actually the first interview that I ever did. Um, so I have a soft spot for his barn. I do like this horse. He is one of my mom's favorite horses in this crop. She absolutely loves this horse. So there's a lot of reasons for me to like this horse. And I really, truly want him to do well. Not a win candidate for me may use underneath. I wasn't crazy about his work the other day. And I know a lot of other people weren't either, but I think I'm just going to have to see him myself and kind of make that assessment. Kind of one that I'm just a little bit on the fence with, if I'm being honest. So um, why haven't we had him on our show? I can ask him. I'm just asking. That's all. All right, next. Passive aggressive much? <laughs> Could have waited for another time. Uh, moving on to Smile Happy, son of Run Happy, uh, another horse for Kenny McPeak. Uh, second in the Bluegrass Stakes, second in the Risen Star, uh, first in the Jockey Club Stakes. Can this horse progress Ooh, off of his loss? A lot, lot of action here. I got the opening eighth and then 12. Oops, sorry, guys. Go ahead. Hello? Yeah, um, go ahead. Okay. Um, can this horse progress off of his loss in the bluegrass? Um, I don't believe he was cranked up once again. This is going to be his third start off the layoff. Um, where does he fit in this race next week? Cause I'm, I'm just not sure. So for me, smile happy would be a B horse. I'll be using him a little bit. Uh, I do think there's reason to believe that he'll move forward off of the bluegrass. I don't know if it was a fitness issue or if the horse just had an unlucky trip because smile happy was five wide going into the first turn. Remember you're going a mile and an eighth at Keeneland. There's not a long run into that first turn. He was breaking from post position 10 saved absolutely no ground. He was three wide turning for home and he was up close to the pace on a day where speed was not holding on that main track. He still managed to run second behind a perfect trip winner in Zandon. And of those two, I think Smile Happy has more potential to move forward off of that race. Can he move forward enough to win? I am not sure. But for a horse that was at the top or near the top of a lot of derby lists at the start of this year, and a horse that hasn't done a ton wrong so far this season, he was second behind Epicenter and then was second behind Zandon. If you think he's sitting on an improved effort, you're probably going to get somewhere in the neighborhood of what, 15, 18 to one. That's a nice price on a horse that I think will be pretty well meant and a horse that we know likes the Churchill down surface. I'll be using him a little bit for sure. Do I think he's a primary win threat? Eh, maybe, maybe not. I'd probably pick him third or fourth but I do think he has a better chance than what the odds board will tell you. 
Yeah, I agree with your hinting at this could be a pretty big overlay. Forgotten horse, just I don't know what's happened over the, the course of the last few races. I guess just not winning one of these last preps is um, will do it. But yeah, to lose to Epicenter and Zandon and finish second in both those races um, without really doing anything wrong. Um, good foundation. I think, yeah, well, I mean, I, I really lean on pace handicapping more than anything in race shape. And when you start to put this puzzle together and you put those few on the front end that are going to be cruising and you put a couple in behind that are, you know, have been on the front end in some of their other races that might not be fast enough. Who's right in behind that? It's smile happy. I mean, I think this is going to be the biggest overlay a must use in all, all spots. Um, this has been the target from day one. Just, I think that this is going to be the one, if it happens, where everyone's going to be like, I can't believe I let that horse beat me, basically. So, yeah, I'm using everywhere. I'm, I'm, I wasn't real happy with the bluegrass, to be honest with you. Um, you know, for a horse who you want to see get, you know, in front, or stay in front at the eighth pole and finish. He didn't do that. And uh, to me, that's problematic in a lot of ways. Um, I love run happy as a sire. There's no doubt about it. I think run happy is a really, really nice horse. Mattress Mac just called your check is in the mail. Thank you. Um, I would appreciate that seeing how I just got something from his store. Um, so that means it'll be free if he wins. Uh, no, underneath play totally underneath play i totally agree he's an underneath play um but i just don't see him winning i would use him underneath of anything but i'm not quite sure i will i've not ever really been too crazy about this horse if i'm being honest with you i know a lot of people were and i just didn't seem to understand it that being said he does have a win over the track he does like this track so I definitely think that moves him up a little bit. Um, I think it's going to be a big ass as much as I do love run happy to stretch this horse out to a mile and a quarter and have him be there first. So he's one I'm going to have to see in the mornings as well to really make a final decision. Um, and last and certainly not least, we have Epicenter for the Steve Asmussen barn. Uh, one Louisiana Derby, one the Risen Star, second in LeCompte and one the Gunrunner. Um, hard to park a lot of holes in this horse's derby performance. Could it be too good to be true, especially with Steve's derby reputation? I, I think he's legit. I think he's the horse to beat. Uh, this horse showed me a lot when he won the Louisiana Derby and did so the right way. He took dirt in his face on the first turn and down the backstretch. They tipped him out and he finished like a very, very, very good horse. I saw a lot of what I needed to see in that particular race. This is a horse with tactical speed, but one that does not necessarily need the lead in order to run well. It's hard to overstate the importance of that. As far as the Kentucky Derby is concerned, he can either be on the lead or he can get first run at the tiring pace setters turning for home. I think he should be favored. I think he probably will be favored. And all other things being equal, he hits me as the most likely winner. And we can stop talking about Steve Asmussen being the best trainer ever to not win a derby. I think this is, yeah, there's nothing to knock really here. Um, if I had to pick one horse to kind of key throughout a uh, super or try and wheel through, it's probably epicenter. 
Um, I get pretty nitpicky with my jockeys and I've never been a huge fan of Rosario, especially when it comes to uh, big fields and races where there's a lot of tactical decisions. Um, I have a concern there. There's no question. Uh, maybe it's because of the uh, issue last year out of the gate. I'm not sure, but um, I, I am having an increasing feeling of this horse just not running at all. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> oh. Jeez. Okay. So, um, how can I put this in terms? Um, Andrew. Andy, do you know who Tony up? Stewart is? I'm sorry, what? Do you know who Tony Stewart is? The NASCAR driver? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what he's known for? Killing a guy? Okay. Well, do you know what else he's known for? <laughs> um, success on dirt tracks. Okay. All right. Let me just put it this way. Um, you know, he never won the Daytona 500. Yeah. Okay. So he's still one of the greatest drivers of all time. I, to me, it's a crapshoot when you, when you run big races like that, whether it's the Derby or Breeders' Cup or, um, NASCAR for that matter. There's too many, too many variables to consider whether or not a trainer is good enough in a certain spot. Um, with that said, I absolutely love this horse. This I I hate saying that because we're a week a fortnight a week away from the Derby, and I still can't get off of this horse. Um, I'm I'm willing to to say that if I get three four to one, um, I'm going to play him, and I'm not afraid to play him at that price. So. Um, I definitely will have a Shahama, Shahama and Epicenter double going, hopefully live to Epicenter come Saturday afternoon. But um, I love that horse. I love it, love it, love that horse. I am in huge agreement. I love this horse when he won the gun runner. I love this horse when he was second in the prompt. I had some questions in the Risen Star and he answered them. I loved him in the Louisiana Derby, and I loved him here. Um, echoing with what Andrew said, this, this was the second bullet point I had written in my notes. Um, this horse is the most tactical horse in this race. He has the most versatility. He has the most experience. That checks all the boxes for me in the Kentucky Derby, and it's something that is hugely, hugely important because I think this horse is not going to be pace dependent, and I don't think he's going to be compromised by anything that really happens. I think there could be a fast pace. I think there could be a slow pace. I think there could be a moderate pace. Um, he could sit anywhere, in my opinion, flights one through 10 and still be okay, which I think is definitely likely. Um, he reminds me of Gunrunner or Kerwin, in my opinion. And I think Steve can go even better than both of those horses in this race. I think this horse is very well meant. I think he's coming in. He looks fantastic. He galloped on the track. Um, this morning and his neck was bowed. He just was popping out of his skin. I love this horse. This is my number one. Well, we have covered all of the horses, so not holding anybody to account, but now that we are a week out from the Derby, it's officially Saturday here on the West or the East coast, excuse me. Um, the draw is not for a few more days, but guys, who are your top two at the moment with a week to go without the draw? 
For me, uh, epicenter on top, I'll go Messier second. I'm going to go with the two um, coming from the back, Mo Donegal and Zandon. I really think this thing's going to fall apart. Uh, epicenter uh, will be on top for me, and I'm going to take Tiz the Bomb for second. I'm going to take Epicenter on top, and I'm going to take Messier in second. I'm going to go right with you, Andrew. And if I had to throw in another one, probably be Crown Pride, but I only asked for two. So, guys, this completes our Kentucky Derby preview show. Hopefully we can all get back together after the draw and we can do kind of a final thoughts show for both that and the Oaks and kind of combine the two since these have been some pretty long running shows and maybe look at some of the other stakes races on the card. But this has been another edition of the Goat Zoom Room. The Derby preview show will have our final thoughts show coming up in a few days after that draw is completed on Monday. Good night.